Well, good morning, church family. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. I am so glad to be here with you, and we have a special, a couple of special things we're doing this morning, um, the first of which I did a little Facebook video about uh, yesterday. Uh, I had a little helper. I had my daughter, like, peeking into the video and making very expressive faces. She was really into it. So um, these little boxes are for our alabaster offering. Um, you may or may not have heard what alabaster is, but alabaster is an offering that the Nazarene Church takes um, in order to raise money um, to build uh, clinics and churches and all sorts of ministry, uh, places of ministry in third world countries. And so if you grabbed a box earlier uh, when they were uh, displayed for last month and you've been putting spare change, um, this is the time that we're going to collect the offering. What I'm going to encourage you to do is come up to the stage. We have a big alabaster box here. It's full of, full of change. I tried to move it and it was really heavy. So, um, but take the box, open it up, dump your change in so you still have a box. And then I just encourage you to keep it in your house throughout the year. And over the course of the year, you're going to fill that, that box up. And then a year from now, or maybe six months from now, we'll take another offering. And then uh, you'll have a chance to donate again to the causes of, of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world to places that need it uh, and need it, need it the most. Okay, sound like a plan? So as the music's playing, I'm just going to ask you to come on down here you know, form a line, not too close together, you know, in the days of COVID, um, just dump in and then kind of come back out this way uh, and head back to your seats if you have offering. But I'd like to start with prayer. So let's pray today. God, we thank you for the chance to gather. We thank you that you are worthy of our worship. And that as we come into this place, there's a sense that that you're here, that, that you're with us already, that that the invitation to have you come is, is more one that's, one that's personal uh, as opposed to corporate. The, the invitation to come is, Lord, would you come and speak to me? Would you come and shape my life? Would you come and make me into something new this morning? And so that's our prayer as we gather and worship, as we sing, as we hear the word um, read as we hear stories uh, of lives being transformed, um, would you be with us and would you shape us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Welcome, church family. It is great to have you here, whether you're in person or online. If you're online, give us a shout-out and an emoji or hand wave or just let us know that you're with it. It is so great to have you guys with us this morning. So just a few announcements. So if you want to pull out your bulletin, we'll address some of that. Um, so you need to start marking on your calendar for, for February, apparently, because there's a lot coming up this month. So Wednesday, February 17th, we'll be holding our Ash Wednesday service. So if you would please join us on that evening, it'll be the beginning of our season as we start into Lent. Can you believe that? We're already getting prepared for Lent and for Easter. Like, we're, we're, we're here in February. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Men's breakfast, Saturday, February 20th at 8.30 in the morning. And then we have a new uh, class that will be starting up right after our Ash Wednesday service on February 24th at 7 o'clock. And it's kind of going through daily rhythms, transformation through the season of Lent. That'll be an adult class held on 
Wednesday nights in the Family Center. Um, if you are with us this morning or if you are online, on the bottom of your bulletin is a tear-off portion. If you have a praise or a prayer request, you can fill that out, put it into the box in the back, or if you're online, go ahead and email us or let us know if you have a prayer request or a praise. We would love to be able to pray for you guys on Tuesday as a staff. And in conjunction with our box in the back, that is our offering box. So if you have tither offering, if you'd please drop that in. Or if you're online, you can email that in to email us. You can put that online at mhnazarene backslash give. So that would be great to have you. So well, welcome. It is great to have everybody here. And let us go ahead and continue in worship. Yes. Uh, let's read responsibly this morning. Excuse me. <clears throat> From Psalm 147 says, praise the Lord. We offer praise to God because it is good to praise the Lord. The people of God are rebuilt and the exiles are gathered from the distant lands. The Lord is great and strong and God's knowledge is beyond our comprehension. The poor are lifted and the wicked left in the dirt. From the clouds, God offers rain to nourish creation, causing mountains to become green and offering food to all creatures. Those who honor the Lord are treasured. May we all wait upon the faithful love of our God. Let all who follow and wait upon God say it together. Praise the Lord. I think my favorite line from that is, so we offer our thanks to God in song, making music with instruments and voices. So we're going to continue singing. Feel free to stand or remain sitting as we continue singing this morning. Um, last week I introduced a song called Graves into Gardens. And as we sing it again this week, I just want you to keep in mind this, this theme of becoming new. It's not just a theme, but it's what God is doing in us. Um, and the words of this song in, the, in one of the parts, it says, you turn graves into gardens, and you turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. So let's sing this morning. morning. It's time for our scripture reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 16 through 23. And if you would please stand. If I preach the gospel, I have no reason to brag since I'm obligated to do it. I'm in trouble if I don't preach the gospel. If I do this voluntarily, I get rewarded for it. But if I'm forced to do it, then I've been charged with the responsibility. What reward do I get? That when I preach, I offer the good news free of charge. That's why I don't use the rights to which I'm entitled through the gospel. Although I'm free from all people, I make myself a slave to all people to recruit more of them. I act like a Jew to the Jews so I can recruit Jews. I act like I'm under the law to those under the law so I can recruit those who are under the law. 
though I myself am not under the law. I act like I'm outside the law to those who are outside the law, so I can recruit those outside the law, though I'm not outside the law of God, but rather under the law of Christ. I act weak to the weak, so I can recruit the weak. I have become all things to all people, so I could save some by all possible means. All the things I do are for the sake of the gospel, so I can be a partner with it. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. As we go to the Lord in prayer today, we have many concerns, many thoughts on our minds, many people to pray for, friends and neighbors, loved ones, people going through rough moments in their lives. Um, most of all, we want to be thankful and be grateful for what God has done in us and through us and for us. Would you go to the Lord with us in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be in your house. We're so grateful to have this place, this refuge, a place to come to worship you, a place to be reminded of what your word says and the truths and the promises it provides us. May we be encouraged this day. May we be encouraged as we remember the wonderful gift that you extend to us, that we can do life with you, that you, uh, upon the cross, sacrificed, that we might have relationship with you, that we might be made right with you, Father. When I survey that wondrous cross, it, it's humbling, God. It's humbling to understand, to, to, to begin to understand the sacrifice that you made for us and the difference that that brings in our lives. And so today, we just want to worship you. We want to be made more and more like you shape us and change us, God, we pray. Today we, we lift up the needs and concerns um, of our church family, um, for those that are hurting, for those that are struck with illness and sickness, God, we pray that your healing hand would be with them, that you would bring, bring restoration, that you would restore them to full health. We pray for for those across this nation and around this, the world that are battling um, this virus that has caused such upheaval. We pray for the hearts of all those that are distressed, those that are concerned, those that are broken but we pray for the health and the healing of those people who either <laughs> through the virus or through the effects of, of trying to prevent spread of the virus, God, have encountered physical illness or mental illness. God, would you be the salt? Would you be the, the balm that soothes 
and brings healing and brings comfort to our world. Lord, this week we've been made aware of, of prayer needs. I pray today for, for Vicki. Um, she's having heart troubles. God, would you go to her and would you help her be with the doctors and the treatment plan for her? Would you bring about restoration and healing in her body? We also lift up um, Tammy and her family, um, especially her mom, Louise, as they mourn um, her brother's death. So unexpected and too young, Father. Would you be with this family and bring them comfort in these times of grief? And Lord, for those requests that we're not aware of, for, for the burdens that we carry, that, that walked into this room, God, I pray that you would be present and that your presence would make a difference, not only in the circumstances and the situations, but also in our hearts. Would you help us to be your hands and your feet and to bring about redemption and healing and grace in these circumstances, we pray. Lord, for the rest of this service, God, we just ask that your presence would be with us and that you would change us and shape us, make us more like you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's time for the kids to head up to uh, Kids Church, but before they go, I have a winter joke. It's not really snowy out there. It's been like beautiful weather, just kind of a little chilly, but this is a snowman joke. What's a snowman's favorite dessert? Ice Krispie Treats. That was really close. So, kids, if you are headed off to Kids Church, you can make your way uh, over to uh, that room. And I'm grateful for um, kids volunteers who are with our kids each week and give and serve and prepare each week. So, thanks, kids, for being with us for this portion of our service. It feels like it's been a while since I've been able to stand up here and preach. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, um, I've had different roles. One, I was leading worship, and the other, I was on vacation in a warmer place than here. So uh, thanks for the chance to get away. Uh, if you don't follow me on Facebook, you're probably wise, but I was in Hawaii and uh, had a chance to get away with Lynn, and it was a wonderful time away. So thanks for letting me do that, um, and I'm so grateful for staff that just keep things rolling while I'm gone, and that's the way the body of Christ works, amen? So I'm very grateful. Um, I wanted to just do a quick recap. The last three weeks, we've been talking about this new theme that we have for our year, Becoming New. We believe that the gospel of Christ is a transformative gospel, that it takes us where we're at and, and shapes us into something new, and that that's really the journey of discipleship. The transformation really is the journey of discipleship, that, that God is continually making us into something new. Even the Apostle Paul says, I haven't arrived yet, I'm still growing, I still got places to go. God's still teaching me these things. And if the Apostle Paul can say that, then I'm pretty confident that the rest of us can say that too. Amen? And, and so that, that becoming new becomes the foundation for what God wants to do in us. That transformation then allows us to, to 
serve as he would have us to serve, to, to become what he would have us become. And so this becoming new is not, not just the process that we're on, not just our present, but it becomes the foundation for the future as well. I'm excited for this year. I think it's going to come up more often than not on Sunday mornings. You're going to hear about it. You're going to be sick of it maybe a little bit, and yet we're never sick of what God's doing in our hearts and lives. Amen. Amen. So I'm excited about the journey of this year, and thanks to Val and Debbie for, for chipping in and contributing to our conversation of what that means um, to become new. This week, we're actually starting just a couple of weeks. We have two weeks before Lent begins. Ash Wednesday is happening, I think it's February 17th, um, and so that's when our, our journey of Lent starts, and we start marching towards Easter, allowing God to transform us in that journey as well. Uh, but before we do that, I wanted to take a couple weeks and just talk about missions partnerships. Now, if you recall, way back before the times of COVID, does anybody remember that time? Anyone? Okay, maybe a few of us. The last Sunday that we got together, before we said, you know what, we're going to take a hiatus, um, the last Sunday before we got together, um, I invited a special guest speaker to come. We kind of had a, a missions weekend. It was my uncle who came. He lives in Nampa. Um, I had an in there with that, with that speaker. But he talked to us about how the Church of the Nazarene has this mission partnership scheme and how we are in areas all over the world. But we kind of transformed the model for which we're going to give to giving. I don't know if you remember this from last year, but I wanted to just recap it a little bit. Instead of faith promise pledges, which had been done in the past, we kind of set up a new model saying we're going to partner with the missions that God is doing in our local community and around the globe just on, our, on a regular basis. And, and that we, were, we want to be generous. Amen? Do we want to be a generous church? I think we want to be a generous church. Uh, one of our core values on, on the board out there says we, are, we practice extravagant generosity. And I think that's who we want to be. And so we made a commitment last year to give away 8% of everything that we, give in, that we bring in. So if you give a dollar to the church, um, you can rest assured that 8 cents of that dollar is going away to missions work in our community um, and around the world. Eight cents of every dollar. Um, I'd love to see that get up to 10%. Uh, we're not there yet. Um, I think we're going to get there, and that's my goal. Um, but I would love to see us become systematically a generous church, one that says, this is just about who we are. Now, I do want to clarify and say, I think every cent of every dollar that you give to this church goes to missions. I think the work that we're doing here in this church is work of missions. Amen? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. If not, what are we doing? And so the ministry of the church and the things that we do even here locally and in this building and in these walls and, and as uh, keeping the lights on and being a place of hope and grace in this community, I hope that's doing the mission of God. I believe it is. I hope you do as well. Um, and yet, we have this eight cents per dollar that's kind of set aside. So just to give you a quick orientation on that, some of that goes to, to global partnerships and some of that goes to our local partnerships um, that we've developed. Now, what are some of the local things that we're involved in? I made a list because I, I didn't want to forget anything. Um, uh, 
first of all, we have, a, we have a program called Grief Share here. We run it two times a year. Debbie helps facilitate that. It is just meant for those that are struggling with the loss of a loved one. And, and that's a, a service that we're able to offer to the community and a way that we say, this isn't necessarily about our church. Anyone's invited to come, but someone who's struggling with the loss, it's so helpful to know that there are others on that journey and a place to talk. Um, we regularly support the food pantry at Grace Lutheran Church. Um, we offer benevolent support for people who are struggling to, to pay bills, um, not only with our church members or per people who attend here, but for those that, that come in from the community. Um, regularly, we've been involved in, in a community dinner that happens, I think, at the end of the summer. This last year looked a little different, um, but we went ahead and did a, a clothing drive for that, and you guys chipped in with... Um, I think it was socks and underwear as we began the, the school year this past year. Um, but normally we provide a dinner um, and, and host that, I believe, at uh, the Catholic Church uh, downtown. Um, we do care packages for deployed servicemen and women uh, as they go. We try to get that information and get care packages off because we think that that's important to support those who are serving um, from our from our congregation. Also, we have uh, a ministry to teenage parents through the Bennett High School, uh, Bennett Mountain High School here in town, and, and trying to connect and, and care for those um, teenage parents as well. Um, and at Christmas time, Angel Tree uh, Network, uh, we partner with them and tr pr try to provide Christmas presents to kids um, who have parents that are incarcerated. This is the work of the church, amen? This is what we should be involved in, amen? And it takes resources, and we have to plan for that. And that, those are some great ways um, to be involved. But as we gather today, we not only wanted to share with you the partnerships that, that we have and that are currently in place, but I wanted to share one with you um, that's, that is a perhaps a new way, a new opportunity, um, and one that's kind of close to my own heart. Uh, as we gather today. So I'm going to read today from the Word. Um, you know, there's lots of places in the Word where it talks about being missional. <laughs> Are you surprised by that? I hope you're not surprised by that. The, the Bible is full of stories of people sharing the good news uh, and calling us to do the same. So uh, as we open the Bible today, we're going to turn to the book of James, James chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. If you have a device, Point it in that direction to James chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to be starting in verse 22 and reading through the end of the chapter, verse 27. If you would uh, please stand, those who are willing and able, um, out of reverence for the reading of God's word. James chapter 1, starting in verse 22. You must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put it into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. If those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves. Their devotion is worthless. True devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God, the Father, is this to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties, and to keep the world from contaminating us. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. 
Well, several, several years ago, I, I asked my wife because I don't remember things. Um, several years ago, October of 2011, um, almost 10 years now, our family began our journey with foster care. Um, and we got involved and signed up in the state of Washington. Over the course of our time in foster care, we had over 15 different kids in our home. Uh, when they're in our home, uh, we coordinated uh, therapy sessions and, and doctor visits and parent visits for them. Um, we invited them into our hearts and into our lives. They were our children. They were our children when they were in our home. And that's how, that's how foster care works. It's the only way it really, truly works. Um, and as we journeyed, as we, as we inviting these kids into our home from, from places that weren't safe for them, uh, our hearts were stirred and, and initially stirred to, to care for these kids and to be there for them and to be what they needed and to, to help them. But God began to stir our hearts in other ways too. That, that we were also led to, to care for social workers who were overworked and overburdened. We were, we were um, stirred to care for visitation workers and, and, and for birth parents, for, for families that, that we were caring for their kids. How do we respect these parents? How do we care for them as well um, in the process? Of foster care, and through our journey, um, our our family grew a little bit. It grew um, by by three amazing, incredible kids, um, and which is was not our intent. It was not our our aim or our goal when we got into foster care, um, and yet that's kind of how it works when kids come into your home and they become part of your lives and part of your families. Um, what an amazing opportunity for us. But also amazing to us was the way that it shaped our ideas about ministry. That we had been, I, at that point I had been working at the church for 11 years, um, and, and that was where my ministry was, was really located and, and centered. Uh, and as we got into foster care, what we understood and, and what God really began to shape and to change in me was understanding that our home was ministry as well. That, that ministry was brought into our home and that our, our kids participated with us. You can ask them. They were definitely a part of it. It is a full family thing <laughs> to, to be a foster family. But there were two definite truths that became clear to us as we took this journey. And the first one was this. We needed community around us to serve in this way and to do it well. That the people of, uh, that we had known and had come to know, having lived in Centralia for 11 years um, and serving at, at our church, we needed that community. That, that we didn't have enough resources, that we couldn't always make all the appointments, we couldn't always cover all the bases. We needed that community. A new child would come in um, and new onesies and diapers would appear on my office desk with no note. Just they had learned, and it was there. Deliveries would appear on our porch, and we needed that support as a foster family. And the second thing that we realized, and, and this, is, this is extremely uh, vital and important, number two is not every home should be a foster home. Not every home should be a foster home. Not all people are meant for this kind of ministry. Not all... Not all 
families are are ready for this. Um, and it's not a good it's not a good choice for all families and all homes. But what I'm excited to share today is the opportunity to partner in ways to support foster families without necessarily becoming uh, a foster home. Uh, our text today talks about caring for widows and orphans in their distress. Um, more than just wanting to zero in on that one phrase, which is really easy to kind of cherry pick that, oh, it's talking about, about orphans. And foster kids really are kind of the orphans in our society today. Um, but James is more about putting our action to our faith, putting, putting our faith into action. We have to do the word that when we hear this book, that when it tells us things, that when it instructs us and points us in directions, we have to put that into practice. Uh, and James is, James is all about that. Um, today we have a chance to hear a way to do exactly what James is talking about, to put into practice this idea of, of caring for the world, of caring for orphans, foster kids. Um, so in just a moment, I'm going to invite um, someone to join me on stage. We're going to kind of conduct a little bit of an interview as we describe this partnership that is an opportunity to, to you. Um, her name is Amy Curry. She's a new friend of mine uh, that I've just met here in the last several months, actually since um, COVID hit. Our first introduction was uh, a Zoom call, I think, or something, you know, it's very 2020 of us to meet that way. Um, but Amy is president and executive director of a group called Boise Angels. And without stealing her thunder or giving too much away, um, I'll just say that Boise Angels is working to help people to find a way to support foster families um, and have a, have a system to do that, uh, find a way to put that word into action, what we just read in James chapter 1. Um, and so uh, as I'm kind of setting up the stage, and before she comes, we're going to watch a quick video, uh, and then I'm going to invite Amy to come join me. Every year, over a quarter of a million children come into the foster care system in the United States. These children are removed from their homes due to neglect, abandonment, or because they are victims of physical, sexual, or emotional abuse. Many of them will be placed in homes in our very own community. Foster families desperately need support, and we have developed the Love Box and Dare to Dream programs for people like you who may not be called to foster or adopt, but can create real impact through intentional giving, relationship building, and mentorship. We've invented a new way to serve, heart to heart in the home of a family, showing up for children, encouraging teens, and supporting caretakers. Our programs help bring relational healing, empowerment, and hope, and allow anyone to make a difference in the life of a child. All right. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Um, we tried out the microphones earlier, so hopefully everything works. If you can't hear, just you know, flag hand. me down, and we'll <laughs> we'll get that fixed. Um, we thought interviewing might be a fun way to do this. Um, so tell me, I, I've shared just a, a little sample of how our family's got our family got involved in foster care. What led you to to caring for foster kids and foster families? Sure. How did God turn your heart in yeah. that direction? Um, well, I really think, honestly, my journey started in my childhood. Um, 
you know, I've always just felt a stirring and a nudge for vulnerable children and um, just have always had a heart and was captivated, honestly, kind of by um, brokenness. I know that sounds kind of interesting, but anyway, it led me to um, pursue um, a degree in counseling and um, I got my master's in play therapy. And so that's my emphasis. I'm a play, play therapist in the Meridian area. And um, anyway, long story short, my husband and I were living in Dallas. Um, he was a home builder. And when the recession hit, he lost his job. And we um, I had just finished grad school, and we were presented with an opportunity to go live in Swaziland, which has a rich history with the Church of Nazarene. I'm a generational Nazarene girl, I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, um, and so my husband was actually, your cousin and my husband were missionary kids together in Swaziland, so kind of an interesting Nazarene world connection. <laughs> but anyway, so we moved to Swaziland, now called Eswatini. They changed the name, and we did AIDS orphan work over there, and while we were over there, um, we just were blown away by the way that every single person um, we knew was caring for an orphan. It is a country that is 50% um, of the population has AIDS, and um, you know we just came to know that probably half the people we shake hands with has AIDS, and then we just learned that everyone's caring for their own for their own, and it just caused us to pause and think, well, why don't we do that in America? Like, why don't we care for our own and um, so our time was finished in Swaziland, and we came back, and we relocated to Idaho, and I started my private practice here in Meridian, and um, we started a family of our own, all during this, still having a stirring for foster care, and um, my husband's siblings are both adopted, and so we both, you know, it's just so funny how God works separately in our lives, but like, we're one. Um, and we both have stories of just driving down the road, just weeping whenever we would think of just these children with, um, you know, just vulnerable children and foster children. And um, just like, what could we do? What could we do? Mm -hmm. And praying and, um, as a counselor, just desiring to do more. And um, I love my role as a counselor, but uh, wanting to do more, but not feeling at peace for it, for us, for our family. And um, so we kind of had this stirring, but then we also were growing our own family, and as our children were getting older, we just were praying, okay, Lord, how can we um, be the hands and feet to our community with our children? How can we plant seeds of compassion um, in our children? And so, um, long story short, I found out about this organization called Austin Angels and started following them, and um, they opened it up to be a national thing, and um, I took a step of faith and wrote an email and said, what would it take to start a Boise chapter? And um, this was about almost three years ago. And lo and behold, someone else from Boise, Idaho, <laughs> randomly, because, um, well, Boise is very popular now, but, you know, it wasn't as much popular three years ago. Um, someone else from Boise had emailed her like a day before. And oh, wow. so here I was partnered with this girl named Natalie and complete strangers. And we together launched um, Boise Angels. And um, yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. Great. I didn't know about the, yeah. the family connection with your husband, mm -hmm. so that's cool. Um, talk to us a little bit about the programs that Boise Angel has. It, they talked about the Love Box and the Dare to Dream on there. Yeah. Tell us a little bit, okay. just a little update about those programs. Um, so our main purpose is to create support for the foster care community. Um, like he said, um, you know, you need community when you do this. Mm -hmm. And what we hear over and over, time and time again, from the families in our program is that the second foster children are placed in their home, they lose their community. Um, even their um, 
like the grandparents, you know, they, they're terrified, honestly, of the population. And um, so anyway, our job is to create support and wrap around community for this community. Um, and we do that through our two programs. The first program is called the Love Box Program. And that's where we strategically match a volunteer or a group. I'm not sure if you have Sunday school or life groups, or even we have a church who has taken on a family. We match um, a group of people with a foster family. And we want this to be um, a good match. We want it to be someone that you will run into at the grocery store, um, like the family that we have a love box for. They live in our community, and we see them at Walmart. You know, it's just um, we want it to be um, a good community thing. Um, and so what that means is you sign up to um, show up monthly in their life for a year with a box full of tangible goods. Um, but really, that's a foot in the door for a relationship because we know that relationships is what helps cre create resilience and, and healing for these children. And um, what I love about the Love Box program is that it's for the entire family. There are a lot of things out there that are just for the foster children, but we ask that if you take a kiddo, foster kiddo out for ice cream, that you also take the biological kiddo out for ice cream as well. We want something in the box for every single person in the family. Um, and it's different for every family. Some families say, we would just really love some freezer meals. Um, like November, our family, they really needed winter coats because when they are removed from their homes, a lot of times they grab a trash bag or a Walmart bag and fill what they can, and that's all they have. Um, and so monthly we reach out and just say, how can we support you this month? But really it's just to start a relationship to give them community. So that's our first, um, and I'll tell you why that's needed, is because 60% of foster homes close within their first year. And so what this means is that these kiddos are switching homes um, very frequently. Actually, they switch home on average seven times in two years. And so that's a new school, a new community, new strangers in their lives um, that they're just moving around all the time. And every time they switch homes, they regress developmentally six months. And so if we can help keep this home open longer, then we are succeeding in helping these children stay in their homes longer. Um, so that's a huge, huge success. Um, the second program is... Can I, as yep, you're on please. that, yeah. how, do you have any numbers as far as like Mountain Home or East Boise? Yes. Like available? Yeah. Waiting for, waiting for we matches? We sure do. <laughs> um, so we serve Regions 3 and 4. So what that means in the Department of Health and Welfare is we serve all the way to the Oregon border till about here. We actually have, is Hammett a little bit, Hammett? Mm -hmm. Hammett, yeah. A little bit farther so we've got um, about three or four families right now on our wait list so what that means is they're waiting to be matched with a love box group or volunteer um, in this area we have about three or four and the department would send us a whole lot more but we were kind of like we don't really have volunteers and partners out there yet um, but I'm spreading the word if you're interested so um, yeah and currently we have um, we actually, honestly, we're at full capacity, which is great. We're looking to hire another case manager, but we um, consistently have about 25 families that monthly get boxes. Um, so that's exciting. Um, Idaho's a reunification state, and so um, they try to get them back with their biological parents as quickly as possible, and so that really leaves a turnover for us. But what's so cool is that we say the angel can follow the kiddo, and so if the children go back to their biological parents, they can, if the biological parents want the support, the angel can stay with them and keep um, loving on them in that relationship. Or if they switch foster homes, um, you know, it's case by case. Our children, our foster kiddos, switched homes last summer and just for a lot of different reasons. And so here they were with 
these new strangers and we were able to go and put together their new basketball goal and have ice cream with them and help them get settled in their new home. And we just were a familiar face for them and our children played with them, helped them do their chores. You know, it was really, it, like that to me is just like, that's what it's about. Okay. Um, sorry, I went off a little bit on that. But our second program is called the Dare to Dream program. And this, um, we are, trying real hard to get it going. Um, we were asked at the beginning from the department to put a hold on it, but now they've given us the red li or green light to go. Um, so we've piloted a couple matching, which what it is is where we um, match a mentor with a youth. And so youth really are, the ones who are aging out are the forgotten population. They are often um, the ones who become a statistic, sadly. Um, a huge percentage of the prison population, homeless population, and human trafficking population have spent time in care. Um, and sadly, a lot of them actually end up taking their own lives. Um, and so we match a mentor with an, a youth that's going to age out, and we give them about 10 milestones that we really want them to focus on to help them succeed out of the system successfully. And so. Um, we are ready to start matching youth and mentors, and so we're so excited to get that going. Um, but that's really, you know, this population is forgotten a lot. And so we love that the department has said, yes, please, this is a missing link in the system. And um, so anyway, those are our two programs in a nutshell. Yeah. I, I, my heart breaks to think about somebody graduating high school, reaching that point of 18 years old, and just not having any really family anchors, totally, right? Yeah. yeah, and in the state of Idaho, actually, we, um, so care ends at age 18, and so a lot of times we have kiddos in our programs who turn 18 their senior year of high school and they're homeless. Um, and so, of course, they're flunking, you know, because they don't know where they're gonna sleep that night, um, and they couch surf, I think is the term, and um, so if we can, swim upstream and get them a mentor and you know mm -hmm. help them through that that's just success yeah. when does that when does that connection ideally start is it like age 16 or yeah so at first you know they had um austin is our mothership <laughs> <laughs> i will say there's now 22 chapters which boise was the seventh so it's so cool people are just catching on and it's awesome um, to just be a part of people who want to change the way foster care is experienced throughout the nation um, uh, but now we are even saying like 12, 13. Oh, really? Yeah, um, just the sooner we can get in there and start helping shape them, um, the more success. Yeah, that's great. Um, so tell us a, a couple of success stories from Boise Angels and, and families that have just really been, been changed by this sure. partnership. Um, well, we like to say we're in the business of relationships. Um, children spend... Um, they spell love, T-I-M-E. <laughs> and so um, I, when I think of a success story, I think of, I think it was our third family in our program. And it was um, a kinship placement, so that means it's family. Um, a, a gal, I'm not gonna say her name, she had four children of her own and took in her four nephews. And um, one, the oldest nephew, um, was terminally ill and right when she was like, we don't want another person in our home, another appointment, da, 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 da. I mean, you know. Um, and so she was really like, no, no, no. And her husband said, let's just give it a try. And so in the midst of like the matching process, the oldest boy was put on hospice and um, passed away, right? Like as we were matching. And so it was actually um, Nampa College Church of the Nazarene was the a Sunday school class was matched with them. 
they don't even know these people, right? And this boy passes away, and um, they provided meals, they helped with funeral arrangements, they provided activities for the younger kiddos, I mean, just came alongside them. It was the coolest, most beautiful thing. So anyway, um, they did their year, um, they adopted the three other boys, um, and when they, their year um, was up, the foster mom said, you know what, I really don't think we need this anymore, but I want to keep doing it. So she partnered with her love box leader and was play, or matched with another foster family. And so just that they saw how valuable it was and meaningful and that they just keep on going, like to me, that's total success. Um, and I could just tell you, I mean, success and just getting a kiddo a bicycle to help create normalcy and memories, um, you know, he was... I was thinking of him because he was placed in a home this summer and um, four biological kids in the home and they all had bikes and he just didn't have a bike and so we got him a bike and he could just be a kiddo, right? Um, so really success looks so different uh, with every single story, but we've had kiddos who, um, you know, help get him a laptop, get him into college, um, pay for their bus fare when someone's passed away and they can go home or whatever it might be, it's just relationships. We, it's just the coolest thing. Um, you know, it's really, really tough to hear some of the stories and, mm -hmm. but what is so, keeps me going is just the redemptive side of it, just the relationships and honestly how God has orchestrated everything thus far and he mm -hmm. continues, like the matching process is so beautiful when like, some people actually like live around the corner from each other or they went to high school together, like just crazy, crazy things that we just know God's fingerprints are all over it. Um, so it's really a neat thing to be a part of. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> you were talking about how difficult it is and, and the foster care journey is not a simple one. It's, it's, it's tough um, and I, I wouldn't ever downplay uh, how, how, how there are difficult moments um, and yet, I remember making the choice to go through the tough for the kids that didn't have mm. the choice. That's so like, good. Like yeah. they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't have any choice right. in the matter. And, yeah, and these kids didn't yeah. sign up for this, you right. know? Yeah. And so making the choice to, to be involved in that, whether that's supporting a foster family or becoming a foster family or finding another way to, to support the process mm -hmm. is a way to say, I, I want to choose to be part of this because you had no choice yeah. in, in that. So um, if there was a... A life group or a Sunday school class or a family here that wanted to get involved, what's, what are like the first steps for, sure. for going in that direction? Yeah. Um, well, side note, one thing we always say is not everyone is called to foster and adult, adopt, excuse me, not everyone is called to foster and adopt, but we're all called to love. And so, and we can all make a difference in the life of a child. And so if you are, um, feel a tug in your heart and maybe just want to learn more or sign up to be a volunteer, you can um, sign up on our website. Um, like I said, right now we're at full capacity for matching, and so you will get a little note that says, um, fill this out, we'll let you know when we're rematching, but we'd love to have you on the list. <laughs> um, and even knowing that there's such a need out here in Mountain Home, the match might happen faster, but you can come to our website, boiseangels.org, um, and go to the place where it says, um, apply to volunteer. One, uh, one way to really know what's going on is following us on social media or signing up for our newsletter. Um, we have a lot of opportunities for one, what we call one-time love boxes. And so, um, you know, like we gave Christmas to 207 kids and not all of them were in our program. And um, we have churches who stuff backpacks for school time for us. And so there's always, you know, like the, it, 
however you want to jump in and just say, hey, we want to do these for this, we're open um, to that. So anyway. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, will you guys thank Amy with me and uh, thank you. thanks for the time. I'm going to invite the praise team to come up as we as we close out our time this morning. The theme today is is getting involved in the mission of God in our local setting. And don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to see God move in Mountain Home? Don't you want to see God make a difference in the lives of the people in our community? It doesn't have to be angels. Um, I think angels is a great program, and it definitely has connections with my heart and my family. Um, but God does challenge us to make a difference where we are at. And so I invite you to, to respond to that challenge. Let me pray for us and we'll, we'll sing as we close. God, thank you for the chance to be your hands and feet in the world today. Thanks for the opportunity to, to serve and to care for our neighbors and for uh, the people just around the corner. Um, what an opportunity. I pray for these families that are, that are awaiting a match, that need support, that need community around them. Um, and I pray for, for our hearts. Would you make us responsive to what you're calling us to be involved in? Um, not only locally, but around the world as, as your kingdom doesn't know any boundaries. That there's connection that we have with people on our block and in our town, but also around the world. We thank you for this time to worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're glad nothing can come between us and the love of God. Amen. Would you stand this morning uh, as you're able and extend your hands to receive benediction this morning. Lord, may you make us a missional people in our neighborhoods, in our town, right where we are. May you open our eyes so we might see how we can serve even right now, I pray. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ.